Welcome to Build Ship Profit, the podcast that helps you, the indie developer, earn income from the apps you build. This is a quick audio version only disclaimer before we get into the show. Just want to let you know this is a very visual podcast. I'm creating it as a video first up on YouTube, maybe Spotify. That means there's a lot of charts and graphs, you know, things like daily active users, monthly recurring revenue, etc. I also share a ton of screenshots, you know, when I talk about my onboarding flow or maybe a new screen design for my paywall. So I want to give you, the audio listener, that heads up that it is a very visual show. I am putting it up as a podcast because a lot of people have been asking for that. But if you do want the full experience, I definitely recommend checking out the YouTube video or the Spotify video. All right, with that disclaimer out of the way, here we go. It is my dream to make a living from an app I created. Sure, a nice cushy software developer salary is nice and all, but what if you could earn that same amount and then some by waking up every day and working on a product you created, a product you love? Like, that's my dream, and I'm willing to bet that's the dream for most of you watching this. So that's what I want to do with this show. That's what Build Ship Profit is all about. I want to educate and inspire you to build your own product and work towards earning an income from it. Whether that's, you know, maybe a little side income or just enough to pay the bills or you're trying to go big, make that life-changing money. Maybe you just want freedom. Whatever your goals are, if you're trying to earn an income from your apps, this is the show for you. Because it's basically a meme at this point amongst developers, right? You've heard this one before. I suck at marketing. I don't understand the business side of things. I just want to build cool stuff. That's like 90% of developers. Hate to break it to you. If you're actually going to try to earn an income from your apps, you're going to have to learn the business side of things and you're going to have to learn to market. You're going to have to learn to sell. And again, that's what Build Ship Profit is all about, is to help you gain those marketing and business skills. And we're going to talk about money on this show. Now, maybe I'm letting a small minority skew my perception, but my feel of the iOS developer community is that money is this taboo topic. You know, no one talks about it. I mean, you do see a lot of the cute MRR numbers. MRR is monthly recurring revenue. You know, maybe a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand. But once you get up to like 10,000, 20,000, 50,000, 80,000 MRR, uh, people don't really talk about that. And, you know, I kind of get that because at that point, it seems like you're bragging, you're putting your stuff out there. But I just think there's a lot of like inspiration and education when you talk about how did you go from that couple hundred a month, maybe a thousand or two, to those big 10K, 20K, 50 MRR numbers. And I think that's the huge missing part that I'm going to try to fill with this show. You know, the opportunity we have as developers to be able to build a product and release it like at a global scale to the world, like it's insane. Like that is a superpower that I think a lot of us take for granted. Building an app and learning how to grow it, sell it, market it could change your life. It could give you that financial freedom, that time freedom we're all looking for. And I just know so many developers, you know, they put so much work into their app, but they feel dirty about, you know, marketing it or, or trying to get people to pay for it or charging money for it at all. And again, with this show, I'm hoping to teach you a bunch of stuff, show you a bunch of possibilities to hopefully, you know, change your mind on that. I've got six years worth of content on this channel and courses teaching people how to build apps. Now it's time to talk about earning income from these apps you build, right? You develop this highly valuable skill. And remember, when you get hired by someone else to use your superpower to help someone else build their dreams, it's just like, ah, like use that superpower for yourself. Like build your own fucking dreams. All right, let me give you a little preview of my plans for this show. We're gonna cover topics like app store optimization, Apple search ads, pricing, marketing, growth strategies, paywall optimization, user acquisition, you know, how to get downloads, retention strategies, because once you have a subscriber, you don't want them to churn away and unsubscribe. How do you keep them? And then, you know, little things like how to get more ratings so you can rank higher in the app store. Basically everything you'll need to know as a developer to earn an income from your apps. Now for the big question, 
why should you listen to me in this area? I haven't done shit, right? My app Creator View has a minimal amount of users, makes almost no money. Like, what the hell do I know? Well, it's not just gonna be me on this show. I plan on bringing in industry experts in all those fields I just mentioned, as well as successful indie developers who have earned significant money from their apps to talk about their trials and tribulations, what worked for them, what didn't work, etc. That's what has me so excited for this show and why I think it is very unique. It's a one-two punch. So yeah, we're gonna talk about all that education stuff, teach the principles, but then you're gonna see me implement those principles into my app and be able to follow along and see how these strategies are working, right? Maybe we do a specific Apple search ads campaign. I'll show you how it worked out, how much money I spent, what was my cost per tap. There's gonna be follow through on the education. And of course, you know, what works for my app not gonna work for your app, but at least you're gonna see an example of how it's executed and the results, good or bad. So that one-two punch of getting the education and then seeing how it's executed and seeing the follow-through, that is a show I would love to watch. So that's what I'm trying to create. As for the structure of the show, it's gonna be broken up into segments. You know, the first two segments I just mentioned, all those educational topics, bringing on experts, and then you'll see me give the creator view update on how things are going and how I'm implementing all these learnings. So those are two segments. Then there will be a new segment uh, if you've been following my content, think Swift News, but for indie devs, you know, like when the App Store introduces new pricing segments, or later in this episode, we're gonna dive into the State of Mobile 2023 report to kind of get the lay of the land. Each episode, I'm also going to do what I'm temporarily calling like a rant, where it's uh, an opinion I have about indie development that I'm not gonna claim is a universal truth, and I think could spark debate in the comments. Good debate, of course, not arguments. But, you know, for example, in this episode, I'm gonna talk about the, the spectrum from the pure holier-than-thou dev, the one that you know doesn't wanna charge for their app or never wants to show their paywall. And the other side of the spectrum is the slimy marketer, the one that uses all the dirty tricks in the book and like where you should fall on that spectrum. So that's what I mean by like opinion-based stuff that could spark debate. You know, another example is why I think indie devs should just stick with Apple design and not design their own whimsical app. Again, those are opinions that could spark debate. So I think that's gonna be a fun uh, segment. And then of course, sometimes I'll have guests on, you know, like I said, an industry expert or another successful indie dev. And as always, the show will evolve. This is the very first episode. These are my initial ideas. I'm sure I'll come up with new ideas and I would love to hear your feedback on, hey, I love this segment or hey, this segment didn't work for me or hey, here's an idea for a new segment. Build Ship Profit is sponsored by Glassify, the ridiculously flexible app revenue management platform that helps engineering and growth teams generate predictable revenue streams from their apps. Classify has a platform approach with various solutions natively built in like payments infrastructure for iOS, Android, and web. That's actually what I use to implement my app subscriptions in CreatorView and the setup was a breeze. It also has revenue growth tools such as rich analytics, paywalls, redemption codes, so teams can use data to make better decisions to generate revenue all within the Glassify platform. So whether you're adding revenue to an existing app or replacing your current setup, Classify can help engineering and growth teams deliver better on their revenue growth goals. Now it's time for this episode's rant. And I'm talking about the holier than thou pure dev versus the slimy marketer and where you should fall on that spectrum. Now remember, these rants are my opinions. I don't claim for them to be universal truths and I hope they spark a good debate in the comments. So if you disagree with something I say, let's hear about it. On one end of the spectrum is the typical developer. They put user experience above all else. They feel bad for charging for their app, so they either charge very little or nothing at all. They feel like showing their paywall at all is spamming or annoying the user. They sacrifice things that could earn income from the apps in order to preserve that pure user experience and not annoy the user. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the slimy marketer, the one that uses every trick in the book to try to squeeze every little ounce of revenue out of the user. You've seen it, right? That three-day free trial with a weekly $20 subscription, or when the paywall shows up, 
the X to dismiss it doesn't show up for five seconds, like all these dark patterns, or they're constantly spamming the paywall nonstop, or you've seen all these dirty tricks. So those are the two ends of the spectrum. I think both extremes are not great if you're trying to make money from the app. So where should you fall on this spectrum? I bet most of you watching this fall far on the pure holier than thou dev end of the spectrum. And I get it, right? It's a noble cause to put the user experience above everything else. But if you're building an app and you're trying to generate revenue from it, you're gonna have to slide down the spectrum a little bit. Now, not too far, let's not get crazy here, but you're gonna have to move out of that far left end of the spectrum towards the middle a little bit. On the surface, putting the user experience above everything else and not even being the least bit spammy sounds correct. Like who would say no to that? The problem is if you're trying to get an app off the ground, trying to get its initial users, its initial revenue, like that's a bad idea. Now, of course, if you're already making 20, 30 grand a month in MRR or whatever number is enough for you, you have tons of ratings, you're ranking organically high on the app store, things are good, then yeah, you can kind of revert to putting user experience above all else. But if you're just starting out, you don't have that luxury. Now, don't take this to the extreme and think I'm suggesting you go full slime ball mode. That's not what I'm saying at all, but you are gonna have to move down that spectrum a little bit just to get that initial flywheel going, those first users, those first ratings, that first little bit of revenue. I thought this would be a good topic to discuss because of a recent tweet of mine where I asked for feedback on my onboard flow in Creator View. Because in my onboard flow, at the end of it, I show the paywall and then ask for ratings. In the replies, there was some pushback about showing the paywall there and asking for ratings being a bit aggressive when the user hasn't used my app. And I bet 95% of you watching this would agree with that because it seems like common sense, right? The user hasn't even used my app yet. Why would I show them the paywall? Why would I ask for ratings? Isn't that like very aggressive or spammy? Now look, of course this is a lesser user experience. There's no arguing that, but it is a conscious trade-off. And to me, it's a good example of sliding slightly down the spectrum away from that pure holier than thou dev towards the slimeball marketer, but not fully in slimeball territory. And here's my reasoning, because for the past two months, I've gone deep down the rabbit hole on this whole app growth monetization world. All kinds of YouTube videos, podcasts, just hours and hours and hours of consuming content. And a common theme that I saw was showing the paywall at the end of onboarding. And most of the time, you know, they would have data backing it up. You know, this app grew revenue by 80% when they showed their paywall and onboarding. And, you know, the way I look at that is, you know, that's one app, that's one example. You could be cherry picking data, you know, just small sample size, whatever. Like, so the data is not what sold me. What sold me was just the pure common sense math. Let's say you don't show your paywall during onboarding, which maybe most of you do, right? You probably show it at the quote unquote right time. Uh, if your app has restrictions, for example, Creator View, I only let the user for free schedule seven items per month in the calendar. If they want eight or more, boom, show the paywall and you get unlimited access. Same thing with revenue streams. You get two for free, third revenue stream, paywall. Or let's say you have just a, a paid feature that they try to access. And that's what most people do because that makes sense, right? Only ask them to pay at the right time, like when they need it. But what you may not have realized is this means only a very small subset of people who download your app even see your paywall. Let's use some simple numbers to illustrate this. Let's say you get 10,000 downloads. In the example I just mentioned, where you only show it at the quote unquote right time when they hit a restriction, let's say of those 10,000 downloads, 1,000 to 2,000 actually see your paywall. So a small subset. Whereas if you put it at the end of onboarding, 100% of those 10,000 downloads are seeing your paywall. Now, of course, not every user is gonna make it through your onboarding. I know there's drop off, but stick with me here and keep it a simple example. If you put it at the end of onboarding, everyone that goes through your onboarding is going to see your paywall. So on one hand, one to 2,000 of the people that downloaded your app will eventually find your paywall. On the other hand, all 10,000 people that downloaded your app see your paywall. 
which one do you think converts more to your bottom line? Of course, the one to 2,000 people will have the higher conversion percentage because you know they're seeing it at the right time, but for the bottom line, it makes sense to me that if you show it to all 10,000 people, that's gonna result in a net gain. Now, of course, there are other variables. You have to have a great onboarding experience and having a free trial is very helpful in this scenario because the user has the highest level of intent when they first download your app. Any percentage of users will start a free trial without even seeing the app. Remember, you are not your user and price is relative. Yes, it is a fact. Most people hate paying for apps. They do not like it. But there's also a lot of people who are not sensitive to price if your app solves their problem. And those are the exact customers you want. The people that don't like paying for apps, they're just gonna churn away right away. They're, that's not who you should be optimizing for. So I believe showing your paywall at the end of onboarding, if you have a great onboarding experience and a free trial, is the way to go. Because look, they're not mutually exclusive. You can show it at the end of onboarding and you could still show it at the quote unquote right time when the user hits those restrictions or they try to access the paid feature. You can do both. And here's a weird one. Showing it during your onboarding actually lets the user know they can pay you. Like I know it sounds crazy, but not all users are afraid of paying for apps. And if you only show it when they hit that restriction or you bury it in the settings somewhere, a user that wants to pay you may not be able to. In fact, Guy Rambo of Stacktrace told this exact story on his indie app. He got a customer service email from a person who was like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to pay you. I'm trying to buy the premium version, but I can't find your paywall. So again, my point is to optimize for the people who aren't going to be price sensitive if your app solves their problem. Don't optimize for the people that hate paying for apps and don't wanna pay. Like you're, you're optimizing for the wrong thing because they're just gonna turn away anyway. I spent time on this paywall example because a lot of times growing and marketing your app, like things can be counterintuitive. Cause like I said at the beginning, showing your paywall right away and asking for ratings right away, like that seems spammy, it seems bad. But I encourage you to like think deeper about these topics and not just the surface level. Cause you gotta remember, an app makes their money off a very small percentage of their users. So that very small percentage is who you wanna optimize for. Like I just said, don't optimize for the people who hate paying for apps. That's just, why would you do that? So when you frame it like that and think about who you're optimizing for, moving slightly down this spectrum away from the pure holier than thou dev, again, not fully slime ball, but just inching a little bit in that direction, I think you have to do that if you're trying to earn income from your apps. And speaking of paywalls, if you wanna run experiments with your pricings or maybe the design of your paywall, today's sponsor, Glassify, has you covered with the remote paywall feature. But Glassify does so much more. The ridiculously flexible app revenue management platform helps engineering and growth teams generate predictable revenue streams from their apps. Glassify takes a platform approach with various solutions natively built in, like payments infrastructure for iOS, Android, and web. I actually use it for creator views, app subscriptions, and it was a breeze to implement. It also has revenue growth tools such as rich analytics, paywalls like I just mentioned, and redemption codes so teams can use data to make better decisions to generate revenue all within the Glassify platform. So whether you're adding revenue to an existing app or replacing your current setup, Glassify will help your engineering and growth teams deliver better on their revenue growth goals. Now for what I think makes this show very unique and that is sharing what I'm doing with my own app, CreatorView. Like I said in the intro, much of this show will be talking about educational topics, but in this section, I take those educational topics and actually execute on the principles learned and then show you the results in my app. This first episode will introduce the app to new viewers, but in future episodes, we're gonna get into the nitty gritty. Like what is my ASO strategy? What keywords am I targeting? And why am I targeting those keywords? 
What kind of Apple search ad campaigns am I running? And am I using a custom product page? Why or why not? Basically everything I'm doing to grow this app and earn revenue from it, I'm going to share and we're gonna walk through, you know, like the backend dashboards of these products so you can see the raw behind the scenes numbers. Because my goal for this show is to hopefully get CreatorView to a decent MRR number, monthly recurring revenue, let's call it $10,000, because I think that'll be super inspiring because I have started from zero on the show told you everything I'm doing, showed you the whole process along the way. And if I can take all that and actually make it happen and you got to watch the process, my hope is that gives you insights on what to do with your own app or even better, that inspires you to even create your own app and go down this path. Because like I said, that's the dream for this show. That's what I hope is that more people start building their own stuff and earning a living from their own stuff. So what is CreatorView and what are my goals for it? CreatorView is a tool for YouTubers to manage their business. Things like schedule, gives them insights around their income, YouTube stats, you know, goals, and more. It's designed to be an out-of-the-box solution for YouTubers in the Apple ecosystem. Because if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you typically appreciate that, that native experience. Because we've all used the non-native apps, whether it's on our Mac or iPads or on our phone. It's just, it's nowhere near the same. So I want to deliver a beautiful Apple experience to these users. Right now in April of 2023, it's a fresh graduate from the MVP phase, that minimum viable product phase. I just released the 2.0 version, which was a complete revamp and redesign. Now that that's out, I'm primarily focused on what we're talking about on this show, right? Growing users, growing revenue, getting ratings, just turning this app into a business versus just a, a pet project I built, which means I got to take off my builder hat and put on my salesman hat, which is the life of an indie dev. Here's a quick recap on how we got here. And I have a whole playlist if you wanna really dive into the whole MVP phase of CreatorView's life. I'll link to that. Might throw all that into one video later. Anyway, I built the MVP in late 2021, early 2022 with my co-founder, Max. And then about a year ago, April of 2022-ish, Apple stole Max away from me. He, he works at Apple now. So that took the wind out of my sails a bit. Kind of put CreatorView on, on the back burner, focused on other stuff. And then in late 2022, I decided to revamp CreatorView into a 2.0, get excited about it again, and actually try to make something of it. And that's where we are now. Now that I've redesigned it for 2.0, I'm proud of it. I'm excited to get out there and show it to people and market it. Whereas the 1.0, I'll show some screenshots now. Like, it's not like I was super embarrassed of it, but remember me going out there and marketing it, that's my own time. That's my own money. It's all my own efforts. I felt like had I gone out there and tried to market the 1.0 version with spending money, like throwing a thousand dollars a month at ads, like, I just didn't feel like that was a good use of my time and resources. But again, I'm, I'm really happy with the 2.0. So now I'm just all in trying to grow this thing. Part of the 2.0 redesign while I was building it, I was also doing a lot of customer interviews. So these are vital when you're building an app. These customer interviews where I talk to other YouTubers on, hey, what tools are you using to schedule your videos? How are you tracking your revenue? Do you set goals? Like how do you handle sponsors? Just asking a ton of YouTubers questions about how they run their business. And I discovered something in these interviews that really changed the way I'm looking at my growth strategy for CreatorView. My initial hypothesis was CreatorView was for someone like me. Like I have an established channel. I'm a full-time YouTuber. I make my living from it. Like people making money from their YouTube channel. What I learned in these customer interviews is that these established channels that are already making money, like they already have systems in place to handle all this stuff. And they've probably been doing it for years. And it's very hard to dethrone an existing system. You know, maybe CreatorView gets there one day where it is good enough, it is 10x better than their existing thing and it can replace that. But in its early life, like this post MVP phase, it's not there yet. So this learning had me shifting my focus into, okay, 
let me make this free version great for like up and coming YouTubers. And then over the rest of the year, I'll start building in more premium features because I realized that it's probably better for me to try to get a great free experience for up and coming YouTubers, people that maybe aren't quite making money yet and then grow up with them over time. You know, as these users grow and build their YouTube channel and start making money, well, they'll have been using CreatorView since they were a wee little YouTube baby, right? So I can grow up with them. And that's the new approach I'm taking, which again, shifted things on like, what's the free product versus the paid product. And I'm still kind of going through all that. You know, we can talk about that in a future episode, but this is kind of the current status of CreatorView, how I'm thinking about it, how I'm targeting growth. Now, targeting these, these young baby YouTubers that are growing, that does delay revenue because they're, they're fine on the free version. Luckily, I'm the builder, the marketer, the designer, like I do everything. So what that gives me is infinite runway, right? I'm not a startup that raised money, hired a bunch of people, and I gotta make this happen in a year or we're dead. Like, I have infinite runway. And don't get me wrong, that doesn't give me permission to not do anything, but it does give me permission to be patient. Let's talk about my long-term and short-term goals for CreatorView. So long-term, and we're talking five years, is to make a nice lifestyle business. Make about 1 million ARR, annual recurring revenue. Maybe have a small team, like another developer, a salesperson. No, I don't want a huge team. I would like a nice, small, tight-knit team. Like, that's the dream. Make enough money to have financial freedom, have freedom of time and creativity, right? Work on what I want to work on, when I want to work on it, but also work on it with a small, tight-knit team. Like, that is, that is my dream. And this is a topic for another video, but I'll touch on it real quick because your end goal, your dream, whatever you're trying to do, you have to look at how you build your business through that lens. Like, are you trying to make your app just a little bit of side income? Okay, well then you'll do things differently than you would if you were trying to go for big life-changing money or you wanted to stay solo versus having a large team, right? I would get that end goal clear because that's gonna dictate how you go about building this stuff. And like I said, I'm not trying to make CreativeView this billion dollar company. Now I know 1 million in annual revenue sounds like a pipe dream, sounds like a ton. But if you actually break it down and think about it, it's like a few thousand paying subscribers. It's not, I don't need like a million users. So the question is, do I think I can get a few thousand users in the next five years? I don't think it's out of the question and I guess we'll find out together. My short-term goal, we'll call it till the end of 2023, is for CreativeView to be self-sufficient. What do I mean by that? I would like to make about $2,500 a month in MRR, monthly recurring revenue. And by self-sufficient, that means CreatorView is paying for its own marketing costs. Because right now, I mean, I've only been doing it for two months, but I've been paying about 1,000 to 1,500 a month on Apple search ads, right? That's been the marketing budget. That's been coming out of my own pocket, which is being supplied by my core sales from YouTube. But right now I am paying like out of pocket to the ads. So by the end of the year, I would like CreatorView to be paying that. And I pulled $2,500 a month out of my ass. Like there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. That's just what I think is a good initial marketing budget. But yeah, if CreatorView can be paying for its own marketing budget of about $2,500 a month by the end of the year, I think that is set up beautifully for 2024's growth. And I will take that as a huge win. Let's break down these numbers real quick. I'm trying to get to $2,500 a month by the end of the year. CreatorView costs $12 a month or $8.50-ish if you buy the annual. Let's just call it $10 a month per user, just for ease of math. I know there's apples cut in there. Again, easy napkin math, estimates here. So 2,500 divided by 10 is 250 paying users by the end of the year. Of course, there's gonna be churn. I will need more than that. It's just an estimate, but I have eight months, May until December, to get 250 paying users while I'm throwing at least $1,000 a month at Apple search ads, I just, I think that's pretty reasonable. And you know what? Even if I miss that goal by 50% and I only get 125 paying users, that is still pretty decent self-sufficient marketing for CreatorView. Now I'm in the fortunate position where I don't need any of this money for CreatorView. So any money CreatorView makes is just gonna get funneled right back into marketing. Up until a point, of course, 
I'm thinking out loud here, that point is probably between five to $10,000 MRR, right? If I get over $10,000 a month, then I'll have to make a decision on like, is all of that going back into marketing? Probably not, but up until then, a good chunk, I'm just funneling it all right back into marketing. We'll dive into this a lot more in the future episodes, but I'll give you a quick overview of what I'm doing right now to start generating this initial growth. So always working on my ASO, App Store Optimization. That's just like constant iteration and experimenting. For example, right now I'm targeting the keyword YouTube subscribers, because if you see here, it's a decent popularity score with not so much competition. So I decided that's gonna be the first one I target. I have a custom product page for that for my Apple search ads, and I have my Apple search ads targeting you know, those keywords as well. And on the topic of Apple search ads, mostly what I've been doing right now is gathering data, because I can't optimize for cost per acquisition or cost per tap until I see like, what are the expensive keywords? What are the cheap keywords? So right now I'm basically just gathering a bunch of data, throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, and then we'll optimize it later. And again, we'll dive into my thought process and, and what I'm doing with all the Apple search ads in future episodes. And I'm also doing what I'm calling door-to-door -door sales, which is basically DMing any YouTuber I can find on Twitter. And I'm using Twitter versus like email or something because you know my Twitter account has 40 something thousand followers. They can tap on it and learn about me. It's, it's more legit coming from my Twitter account than like a random email they're probably gonna delete. And I know that's not efficient at all, right? If I send 100 DMs, maybe I get five downloads, but it's about brute forcing these initial downloads and this initial users and, and getting that flywheel going because that's exactly what it is. It's a flywheel, right? The holy grail is to rank number one organically on the app store. Well, to do that, your ASO has gotta be on point, but you also need a ton of good ratings. Well, you can't get ratings without downloads. So the more downloads you get means the more ratings you get, which means the higher you rank organically, higher ranking organically, leads to more downloads, leads to more ratings, leads to you get the cycle that's going on. So I need to start that flywheel. So I'm willing to do any manual labor I can to brute force these initial downloads and ratings. So if you are using Creator View and you, you like it, hey, leave a rating. So like I said, this segment is why I'm super excited about this show is because you'll get to see me implement all the stuff we're gonna learn and talk about and just see how it plays out. See what works, what doesn't work, what's a huge success, What's a giant failure? Uh, it's gonna be fun. For this first episode of Build Ship Profit, I thought it would be good to get a, a lay of the land. So we're gonna look into Data.ai's State of Mobile 2023 report. Consumer spending in the App Store had its first ever decline in 2022, and it was down 2%. That is the big headline from Data.ai's State of Mobile 2023 report. Are we at peak spending on mobile apps? Is it all downhill from here? I don't think so. Let's dive into that report and find out why. Here are the major findings. And first, overall app downloads are up 11% year over year. And then next you can see this is the app store spend down 2%. We're gonna dive into that in a little bit. And daily time spent is up about 3% to about five hours a day. And then overall hours is at 4.1 trillion, which is about a 9% increase over last year. So overall downloads are increasing and time in apps is increasing, which is great news for app developers. So usage is up. I don't know how good that is for the human race, but hey, those are the big picture findings, but let's dive into this drop in spending that got all the headlines, right? This minus 2%, because there's two big reasons why I don't think this is a big deal. To illustrate my first point, let's look at the top markets in mobile, and you can see they separate the first three and then the long tail, because China, the US, and Japan are so much bigger than the others that it was made sense to separate them out visually. So 2022 is the pink bar, 2021 is the light gray bar in the middle. So you can see 
China actually grew in 2022, but most of the other countries had a slight drop, which is what led to that overall minus 2% number. But I want to point out the crazy growth on pretty much every country from 2020 to 2021. And if anyone remembers like financial markets in 2021, everything was inflated, right? Stocks and crypto were going nuts. House prices were insane. Like everything got inflated. Like everything was a bubble. So what I'm trying to point out is you see a big jump from 2020 to 2021. And then even though 2022 is a decrease from 2021, maybe it's a little bit of a return to normalcy as the world is hitting these like economic headwinds. Because if you draw a trend line from 2020 to 2022 and kind of skip that anomaly of 2021, the growth trend is still pretty good. That's the first reason why I don't think this drop in spend is such a big deal. The second reason is that the drop actually came from games. As you see in these two charts with games on the left and then non-game apps on the right, you can see the non-game apps revenue continues to increase at a pretty good rate, even though discretionary spending, which is the pink bars, those are going down. So common sense would tell you that, yeah, discretionary spending is going down. As the world has had a tough time economically over the past year, a lot of layoffs, yeah, you know, maybe you're not buying as many gems in your favorite mobile game. So it makes sense for game spending to go down, whereas the non-game apps are still, still going strong. So I believe like 90 to 95% of you watching aren't game developers. You're probably building a non-game app. So that's why I think it's pretty much business as usual. I mean, I don't want to call it business as usual because, you know, there are some pretty tough tough times, you know, economically, but, uh, you know, we're not seeing this huge downtrend that games are seeing. Overall, revenue from games dropped about 5% down to 110 billion, but non-game app revenue increased 6% up to about 58 billion. So you can see games are almost double what non-games are when it comes to customer spend. So a 5% drop is, is nothing to sneeze at. Now, this last slide that I wanted to show you is hopefully a bit of inspiration. Here's the apps that made a billion last year, 100 million and 10 million last year. Now look, I'm not saying us indie developers out there watching are gonna build an app that makes a billion, 100 million, 10 million. Stick with me here, we're gonna extrapolate these numbers. So yeah, 1 billion, 100 million, 10 million, probably out of reach, but let's keep going with that. Is 1 million out of reach? Maybe 500,000 out of reach? What about 100,000 a year out of reach? So to get estimates on those numbers, we can look at like the step change from 1 billion to 100 million to 10 million, you can see it's roughly a multiple of 10. Again, back of the napkin math, we're not getting super exact, but just to give estimates and to inspire you. So if we take the next step change from 10 million down to 1 million, well now we're probably talking five to 6,000 apps are making a million a year. Okay, but that's still kind of a really high number. Let's take the next change, go from 1 million to 100,000. You can see we're kind of like dividing by 10 each time. So we'll multiply that five to 6,000 number by 10. So now that's 50 to 60,000 apps or maybe making 100K a year and then maybe chop that in half to 20 to 30,000 apps or making 500K a year. Again, rough numbers. If you disagree with my methodology here, feel free to correct me in the comments of why this might not be correct. I wanted to share this slide because to me it showed like what was possible and attainable. Now don't get it twisted. I'm not saying making an app that makes a million a year or even 100,000 a year is easy. Of course, it's gonna take hard work tons of effort, be smart, make a great product, probably a little bit of luck. I am in no way saying it's going to be easy, but to me it showcased that like it's not unattainable, like it's possible if there's 50 to 60,000 apps that hit that $100,000 a year mark and you know that $100,000 a year mark to a million for an indie dev, like it's a pretty nice living when you're just building your own product. So like I said, it's not gonna be easy, but I hope seeing these numbers like inspired you, like it inspired me. And that's why I wanted to share it to, again, get out there and build your own product. It's the whole point of the show that I think I've probably said five times by now.
And if you are gonna build your own product, you're gonna to need to handle subscriptions or in-app purchases. And there are a ton of edge cases that make building this on your own a headache. So I recommend you let the pros do it. And that brings me to today's sponsor, Glassify. Glassify is a ridiculously flexible app revenue management platform that helps engineering and growth teams generate predictable revenue streams from their apps. Glassify takes a platform approach with various solutions natively built in like those subscriptions and in-app purchases I was talking about for iOS, Android, and web. I use them to implement that in CreatorView, my app, and the setup was a breeze. It also has revenue growth tools such as rich analytics, paywalls, and redemption codes so teams can use data to make better decisions to generate revenue all within the Glassify platform. So whether you're adding revenue to an existing app or replacing your current setup, Glassify will help engineering and growth teams deliver better on their revenue growth goals. We just covered the main highlights of this report. I highly recommend going and checking it out for yourself uh, from data.ai, formerly App Annie, if you've heard of App Annie, they're, they're like a staple in the annual reports game. But I'll put a link in the description to go check it out because they do go deeper into individual niches as well, like finance apps, entertainment apps, gaming, et cetera. So you can find your niche, do a little deep dive on your own. That's it for the first episode of Build, Ship, Profit. I'll be back next week with another one, but that's because this one was kind of an intro episode. Going forward after next week, it'll be every two weeks for a new show. So we'll see you then.